Hey, this is Kieran, Coach's Corner Chats, and on this episode, Neil Kraft, head coach of Kettering Fairmount High School's men's soccer team, shares his insights and thoughts on building a program that transcends not only playing great soccer on the field, but being great stewards of positivity and community off the field as well. You'll love this episode. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Coach's Chats Podcast with Karen today. I've got an awesome guest with me. i got Neil Kraft. Neil, give us a little background, what you're up to now, um, and what have you. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, man. It's, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Um, I am the head coach at Fairmont High School. I've got the, the boys team over there. Um, just finished my second season, and it, it's been a, a blessing. I mean, the, the support of the administration, the, the resources, the facilities, um, and, and most importantly, the, the young men. Um, I'm just really grateful to, to have the opportunity to, to be a part of, of their lives. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's great. So with it, so I just finished season one. What was what was your biggest learning curve like when you went through season two? So for me, that's about to head into it. What was something that you felt like you did better, or maybe you learned from the first run through? Um, there's a lot, <laughs> uh, definitely um, a lot of things to to improve upon. I spent four years before coming to Fairmont at my alma mater, Dayton Christian, um, two of which I was an assistant and uh, two of which I was the head coach. And that program was just in a a different place. Um, And I felt like we, we were blessed with, you know, different opportunities to have a couple successful runs. And um, I I was given the program here and tried to take it here. Um, Mm -hmm. With that being said, I think the Division Three game is different than the Division One game in Ohio, um, and, and that's kind of I think displayed most often just in the the sheer depth of players, obviously, uh, but also um, the the kind of physicality and athleticism piece um, that that I've seen at the Division One level. So. Um, that was a, a pretty big learning curve or adjustment for me in year one. Some of the decisions I made, either personnel or prep, um, you know, I hate to call it just conditioning, but uh, kind of preparing to be fit um, is, a, is a nonstop process. And you mm-hmm. don't have to get back into shape if you never let yourself get out of shape sort of deal with us. Um, but yeah, definitely spending more time in the weight room um, and making sure that we can compete physically, uh, especially in the midfield, um, is, is probably the biggest lesson uh, that we improved upon in year two. Um, and I know that your league is a tough league. Uh, you've got some some stud programs in that mix, correct? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of similarities, I think, between the, the G-Walk and the GMC, yeah. uh, for sure. Um, you know, for us this year, um, with, with it being the COVID season, um, we elected to create a G-Walk bubble, um, the, the powers it be, 
and um, played everybody twice. And that's the first time that I had ever been a part of that setup. Um, So yeah, there was no rest for the weary for sure. Um, But it added a little psychological component that was different than years past. You know, you, um, nobody really gets to scout each other um, because everybody plays Tuesday, Thursday. Um, And, you know, preparing for round two, if you will, um, you know, looks a lot different than when you haven't seen anybody the, the first time around. So, um, yeah, but there's some great programs, you know, very uh, programs with rich history. You talk about Centerville and Beaver Creek are, are probably the most notable, but, you know, Northmont has multiple state titles. Um, you know, uh, I, I, one thing I loved about Fairmont coming in was uh, despite maybe where the program was, there is a, a rich history there. And I kind of looked at it as like a sleeping giant. Um, so I, I'm obviously, you know, thrilled to be blessed to, to have this position, but um, you know, the likes of, um, you know, Chicago fire and, and, and us uh, alumni, Chris Rolf, um, you know, graduated about 20 years ago and, yeah. and there have been some district championships and a final four run, you know, in 2006. So um, it's important for, for me um, to instill in, in my young players who, you know, are, are as young as 14 years old, that they're a part of a brotherhood that, that lasts a long time. And, and we're, you know, we want to make sure we carry ourselves with uh, the right type of respect that would honor you know, the guys that came before them. And I know, and I think I asked about it because there was a tweet and you always put hashtag, and I think it was like team 60 or team, was there like a number connected to it? So is that built into like the history of the program and how long it's been going? Yeah. <clears throat> so we just, um, this past year was team 48, um, 48. and cliche, cheesy, you know, I, I've heard it all before, but uh, 1973 was the first year that Fairmont High School had a men's soccer team. Um, and 2020 was obviously the 48th season there. So that was just a, a little way for the boys to see it daily and, and be reminded of, okay, you know, I'm playing for, uh, you know, some guys who still care about the program who graduated in, you know, the seventies and the eighties. And uh, in my first year before we even had a game, our alumni turnout was unbelievable. And this is pre COVID, but um, that was really cool to see. And we had a couple guys, you know, still lacing up the boots that graduated in, uh, you know, in the 80s, which it, it was a lot of fun. So I was going to say, how do how what things have you done to try to reach out and, and connect with the alumni? Because that's something I'm looking to do with, with our program as we've had some, you know, we're kind of in the rebuild kind of process right now. But similar to your program, there's been some some players that have come through that are have been, you know, talented. And so we've had some seasons where we've done really well. What things have you done do you, beyond maybe just because everybody has like an alumni game? Mm-hmm. But is there things that you guys have tried maybe beyond that that have maybe had some success? Yeah, well, the alumni game appeals to the 2016 grads. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> still have their, their knees and ankles. Yes. Um, you know, I, I feel like there, this is some, some area that, that maybe doesn't get attention right away when a new coaching staff comes in but uh, we are actually in the draft stages of preparing an alumni newsletter Um, so from everybody who came to the game and other contacts that we have just try to build a little database and um, just give a little a recap you know a couple times a year uh, highlights from the season you know what the JV program did 
uh, how, how the varsity team fared in the regular season, the, uh, the tournament, uh, and then give them another update maybe going into the summer, talking about all the plans that we have in place to get the boys prepared for August 1 and beyond. Um, I know that as an alumni of, of my high school and, and you know, my college and club teams and other things that I was involved in, um, you know, we, you share a, a really special bond. And, yeah. you know, I can, I tell people all the time, like my, my top five memories of playing high school soccer, you know, four and a half of them had nothing to do with a, a soccer ball. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I know that I don't speak alone on that. So I definitely want to create an environment where, you know, even the players that I have that they go on and graduate, they're interested in hearing about, you know, how their little brothers are doing and, and so forth. Um, and then I heard the word brotherhood. So is that something that's kind of that you've weaved into the program? Um, and if so, how have you kind of built this this environment of like a built in brotherhood? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a um, no brainer way to galvanize this, the soccer community within the city of Kettering and within the, the halls of Fairmont High School um, to uh, you know, make sure that, that our young men and, and, and student athletes are uh, proud of the crest that they wear. And uh, like just about anything in life, uh, whatever you put into it, you're going to see, you know, uh, what, is what you're going to get out of it. So um, I think that there might have been um, a, a couple years, a period of time where uh, that kind of um, attitude of, of self-respect and, and confidence and a sense of pride maybe was lacking. And it, it's, you know, a, a lot easier to, to ask a, a young player to, uh, you know, uh, do something that I know is going to be for their benefit uh, if, if they're bought in fully. And, um, you know, that, that can be done in a lot of different ways. If it's, um, quality time, one-on-ones, you know, team meals, gear, everybody loves gear. Yeah, um, they do. You know, one of my assistant coaches is kind of our, our video and social media uh, coordinator. And, you know, he, he spends more of his time off the field than he does on the field, but I think that's important too. And I know that not everybody has those types of resources, but uh, we're very blessed um, at Fairmont. So. I was going to say, I got to watch a number of your post-game little interview type things. Is that what the coach was doing? Was he the one that was doing those interviews or is that a student-led thing or? Yeah. Uh, so, so the, the coach was behind the camera and then would edit them, you know, rapidly so that we could try to get those out. Um, and it, and it was a way to try to highlight certain individuals that either had a great week or a great performance that night. Um, again, that's kind of a, a simple way to, to galvanize our own soccer community, I think, um, that the boys have something they're really proud of. And um, it goes a long way. I mean, you know, in year one, we started off on a, a pretty significant losing streak and, you know, typical Murphy's Law um, of, of a series of events that are, have gone on. And, um, you know, part of it, I think, we had to burn a couple things down in order to build them back up properly that in, in a way that we could sustain competitive success. Um, but in the midst of that losing streak, uh, I had a, a player who started on varsity, 
dropped down to JV, got pulled back up to varsity, came in in the second half, and in the midst of like a 4-0 defeat, just a, a throttling, he was really, really bright. And, you know, honoring him in a small way was then played on the Monday morning announcements and his whole classroom is, you know, clapping for him and stuff like that. And he later went on to be our captain this year as a senior. So, um, you know, I think just trying to highlight our, our people that are, are so great um, is, is again, kind of something that was a, a no brainer for my staff. Right on. I think that's uh, really, really, really cool, especially for a kid that, um, had to deal with the struggle of like, Hey, you're going to have to go down just to get a little more playing time, maybe get your confidence up and for him to come back number one and to in a four Oh defeat, that's really easy to hold your head down. But it sounded like he just said, look, this is my opportunity to shine. Like coaches give me another opportunity. And like you said, just to be recognized uh, speaks volumes for him. Yeah. I mean, it, it, as a coach, it gives you goosebumps to, to have stories like that where, um, you know, a kid goes, gets hit with some adversity. They respond in the way that, that um, is obvious character has been built for mm-hmm. that response to, to come into light. Um, and then for him to, to, to continue on that trajectory and, and be a captain for us this year was, you know, was something I'll never forget. That's awesome. What, what things, going through that losing streak, because we have some similar kind of streak this year as well. What things helped you guys continue to kind of work through that? Because um, it can be tough, I know. What things did you guys kind of like, is that where you had to lean on each other even more in terms mm-hmm. of the brotherhood and the things off the field and say, look, the results will come, but these are some of the things we can control? Yeah, um, we had a similar streak um, to start the year in 2019. And then this past year, we we really book-ended uh, our season with a lot of success. But there in September, you know, it got dark again. Um, you know, this year we had a couple different challenges, um, and it wasn't like it was just us. And I'm not even talking about COVID, but, you know, playing the, the G-Walk schedule we did, um, you know, we saw everybody twice, yeah. and we played every Tuesday, Thursday. So it kind of – gave us a curveball as to how we like to structure our weeks. You know, we, mm-hmm. we added in Sunday trainings this, this year about halfway through the season. And, and I think that was an opportunity for us to really, really compete and get after it um, physically um, because I don't want that happening on Monday or Wednesday when you're trying to either prepare or yeah. <laughs> uh, recover and prepare on the same day. So uh, that was tough. Um, but as far as what we did, you know, I've, I've never been one to admit I, I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we completely flipped, um, not necessarily our game model, but our formation uh, halfway through. And, uh, you know, we went from a 3-5-2 to a 4-3-3. And all of a sudden, you know, our, our possession numbers went, you know, through the roof. Um, in most of our games, you know, we still had some, some really tough opponents where mm-hmm. we were kind of on the, the back foot, but, um, you know, that really helped. Uh, we started attacking more and creating more goal scoring opportunities. And, um, so yeah, I, I I'm always open to, to suggestions, you know, whether it's for my, <laughs> right for my staff or my, my players. And I think that's a great way to, 
uh, kind of earn their buy-in is to let them have ownership of the team because at the end of the day, you know, they're going to be remembered and I want it to be their team. What what uh, conversation did you have that led you to say, you know what, this formation's not working? Was it just your staff or was there some input from some of the players that were out there like, coach, this isn't working right now? I think that formation shift um, came from a couple of my assistants and um, part of it was, you know, what we had a, a pretty impactful player who was a freshman this year and, you know, I, I wasn't ready to give him the keys at starting center back in a three back formation on night one. Um, and, and I thought that, letting him get acclimated to a, a new pace uh, uh, at the varsity level. Um, you know, he's a big kid. He's 6'2", 165 as a freshman, but he's not used to getting hit yeah. <laughs> all the time either. So um, I, I think once we saw that develop, we were able to kind of shift, um, you know, one of our true midfielders who was unquestionably the best athlete on the field um, back into the midfield and in that, you know, he helped cover a lot of ground there as well. So. I, I think it's cool sometimes where that it, the kids don't understand it as much as so we talk about trust and all that kind of thing between players, but I don't think they understand kind of from your end to working with them, the ability, like you were just talking about, can I trust this 14 year old to go out there against some grown men, uh, and handle it. So I think it was kind of cool that you guys, and it took some time, but I think it's cool too. And to recognize like who some of your stronger players are. Like we had that same thing where it, we had to have these two players in the mix at all times. It was pretty much like, Hey, when we get it, the ball's got to play through player X every time because he's going to make the right decision consistently. Absolutely. I mean, and sometimes, uh, well, I kind of look at every high school season as we want to put ourselves in a position to be healthy, humble, and hungry going into the tournament. And, mm -hmm. and we want to be, you know, call that, you know, peaking at the right time or firing on all cylinders, you name it. Uh, but those three things I think are, are a must in order to be successful in the tournament. And in my time as a head coach um, and as a player, that's what it's, all about like surviving and advancing yeah when you're kicking off under the lights um at that time of year is, is something really special and um it's a marathon to get there and sometimes you have to move some puzzle pieces around throughout the regular season to to arrive at that moment yeah right on so then so now we've completed this crazy fall what does what does Coach Kraft and his staff? What do you got? What do you do now in this during this like upcoming spring? What's that look like for you guys? <clears throat> yeah, good question. Um, I, I've kind of structured each of my off seasons a, a little bit different, just to keep things fresh and um, you know not not get any kind of lull. I think it's important that my staff tries to get better as individuals. You know whether that's through continuing education or, or kind of, um, you know, reading different books and, and making sure that, that we are setting the example as to, um, you know, continuous improvement that we want out of our players. 
Um, I think rest and time away from the field <laughs> is super important. Um, yeah. You know, Kieran, I know that with with what your thoughts were on the first high school season, it's a grind. Yes. And, and it's, it is short and it is full. <laughs> so, um, you know, my wife and I usually plan a long weekend, it, first weekend of, of November slash whenever we're out of the state tournament um, to, to just go away and, and unwind. And I kind of want my players to do the same thing. I know that club usually starts the second you get done with yeah. high school and, yeah. Um, you know, whatever we have to do, what we have to do, but I don't, you know, obviously there's a no contact period and then there's very little contact, you know, in December. Um, I usually try to check in with the guys, obviously. Uh, but this year we divided all of our returning players into uh, three pods and um, each pod is, is given to uh, one of the coaches on staff. Um, and it gives my assistants a chance to kind of, um, you know, take ownership of a group. Um, each group we kind of divided by a number of different factors as to may maybe it was age, maybe it was we want them to go through this material for their own benefit, um, or maybe it was a chance for um, a sophomore or junior to have a really uh, significant impact on a freshman. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also to make sure we are in contact with every player, not just <laughs> the ones that are vocal um yeah. and having you know as a teacher i'm sure you you know talk about a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio rather than 36 to 1 it's mm -hmm. just going to be more effective so um you know we're reading books we are discussing what we want our theme for the season to be we are uh, talking about what we're grateful for and just trying to keep conversations going through brief zoom check-ins and you know a group me uh, group chat kind of uh, vibe um, and then we'll we'll start our futsal league here in January for returning players we, we give them about six weeks where it's just the returning players to kind of reconnect strengthen that bond that they already have um, and make sure that their habits in the off season are uh, ready to be um, seen as the example to current eighth graders rising freshmen. Um, so we will we'll play futsal a couple mornings a week. We'll play um, Sunday nights under the lights, out on the turf, um, just completely open fields. And I, I encourage the kids that are playing club, you know, to, to make sure that they're rested and, and doing that. And if they can stop by, great. Um, and then we'll, we'll spend some time in the gym as well. Um, you know, part of the reason behind the, the, the pod idea uh, is also to kind of create groups of four within that 12 of guys to go get, you know, kind of small group instruction wow. once it gets a little warmer and, and once we're, we're in a groove in the off season. So. I love that idea. Cause that's something I've been uh, kind of toying with this. How can I take advantage of the, the, you know, the small group training opportunity. And I love the idea of kind of taking the bigger and breaking it up into workable pods. Um, and even just hearing pots makes me go back to the COVID days of having a split. Well, and that's where we got the idea. It was, you know, me and my assistants were like, you know, there, we tried to find a silver lining through what we went through in, mm -hmm. in the summer. And, you know, it was an administrative nightmare, like just the, the wow. sheer exhaustion because it wasn't every day from August 1st, it was every day from June 1st. And yep. 
we were all looking over our shoulder, making sure we were not going to get shut down and doing things the right way and, and we're safe, that I think some of the teaching might have gotten um, hampered in that yeah. process. So the, that's where the pods came from. Yeah, I think it's a great and the idea of of being purposeful about selecting your groups. Um, so that, like you said, there may be a mentoring piece to uh, an upcoming freshman or just that, or someone needs to be challenged and pushed a little bit more. And now they have, they're like, Oh man, I'm going to different, I'm going to group with blah, blah, blah. Um, and what have you. And I think it's cool too, because I have three assistants um, in my staff. So it, I love the idea of kind of giving, because that, <laughs> that's one of the things I learned was I can't do it all. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I said, I, I think some, I, we're all competitive. We all want to do well. Yeah. Um, so it was hard at times to let things go, but I, your idea of taking a weekend off after, like I literally that like two weeks after I felt almost like a depression, like just, I didn't know what, I didn't have anything to do. And my brain almost just stopped thinking. And I was like a moping around the house. My wife was getting ticked. You know, I've had very different exits from the state tournament. Um, I've had four of them now, and, and each of them bring a, a different kind of pain. <laughs> but I think after doing it for four years, um, I've gotten better at sort of compartmentalizing, you know, I, I, I hurt for my boys. I, I miss being around them every day, but I also know that I'm needed <laughs> – as the center point of my family and I needed at my nine to five. And, um, you know, I, I, I it's a, an acquired skill, I, I, I would suppose, but. So when you're not coaching, what, what are you doing nine to five? I am working at James investment. We are a registered investment advisor, uh, in Xenia, Ohio, just East of Dayton. Um, and, and I've, maintained a, a role in the sales and marketing area for about four years. And then the most recent four years um, have kind of shifted to supporting our portfolio managers and, and, and maintaining kind of effective client relationships with, with those people, um, whether they're individuals, whether it's a couple or uh, corporations. So that's kind of my, my nine to five. I'm training to become a, a certified financial planner um, which is a my off season replacement of soccer right now. So, um, but yeah, that's that's keeping me busy nine to five. So is the the UD flyer or flag behind you? Is that where you went to college then? Um, I did my master's there and okay. just graduated in April. <clears throat> and my wife went to undergrad there. She works there. Her parents went there. Her sister went there. So uh, she's from Toledo, but they all kind of came down to, to UD. So, and, and I kind of grew up going to basketball games with, with my dad and my mom is an alumni. So uh, yeah, the, the flyer, the, the flyer faithful runs deep. Um, so it were, so are you a Fair, Fairmont grad? No, I graduated from Dayton Christian High School. Oh, that's right. Okay. In 2009, and then um, went away to Grove City College, which is in Western Pennsylvania, um, and and then came back to Dayton for for this opportunity at James Investment, and wanted to get involved in coaching right away. So, um, 
contacted the the head coach at, at Dayton Christian at the time, and, and he brought me on board, and I assisted him for three years, and then eventually uh, kind of took over for him when when he needed to step down. So that's awesome. So was coaching something that you've always kind of had in your mind, like this is something I'd love to do? You know, it, it's like I thought about it when I was younger, but um, yeah, younger as in like high school age. But um, then you know I got busy with other things and. Um, you know, academics and studying abroad and figuring out uh, the job situation and all of those things kind of had to, you know, be flushed out first. And then um, it kind of connected with my buddy who was the head coach. And I'm like, I think this feels about right. And, you know, kind of thought about it and, and spent some, some time in prayer. And it felt like it was the, the right move to, to get involved at that school. So. That's awesome. And was that the coach that you first were with at Dayton Christian? Was he like, like, were you felt like a sponge when you just started there? Were you just kind of soaking it all in? Yeah, it was a, a cool opportunity. His his name is James Holiday, um, and and he's uh, one of the principals at Dayton Christian now, and, and that's why he needed to step down. Okay. Um, but I played with him for one year in high school, so. He's an 06 grad. I'm an 09 grad. And I was a little freshman sitting on the bench eating Skittles while he was scoring goals. So, um, yeah, we kind of stayed in touch and then reconnected when I graduated. And it, it was uh, it was awesome. But yeah, there's uh, several coaches that um, played just a invaluable role in in my development and still still to this day um, do. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of just trying to absorb what works, what doesn't, um, and then kind of evaluating and, and filtering what I believe in and what makes sense to me and, um, trying to be, you know, myself first and foremost. Yeah. That's been one of the experiences by just randomly doing these podcasts with coaches is that just hearing some of the stories and some of the thought processes <laughs> and, uh, how, how coaches go about like self self evaluation and, and, and look at type things. Um, you talked earlier about stats. So how do you guys keep stats? Is that a, I watch game film the next day and we break it down or do you have certain things that someone on the bench is looking at that, that breaks it down? Yeah, I've kind of struggled with, with this um, in the, in the past and I don't know if I've mastered it yet. Um, I think that, that statistics in a, a such a free flowing fluid team sport like soccer is um, necessary. Um, whether it's, you know, trying to help a goal scorer get an opportunity to play at the next level or, um, you know, a, goal, a goalkeeper <laughs> trying to earn all area accolades and things like that. Um, and, and I've had some assistance throughout my time that, have valued it differently. And when we've looked at different things, um, you know, at, at Dayton Christian, a, a really important stat for us there was um, keeping track of one balls and lost balls, and then creating a percentage of, you know, how efficient are you? And, and that kind of, you know, um, you're going to see different clips at different positions, you know, whether you're a back, you can't be given the ball away. Um, if you're a forward, we want you taking your chances. We're not going to pay as much attention to that number. 
um, you know, obviously the game film is, is, um, is a no brainer um, and trying to make sure we deliver that efficiently to our team was challenging this year because um, I like to be all of us piled in the classroom, um, yeah. stopping it and mm-hmm. you know, spending, spending 40 minutes of our training session on five or eight minutes of actual gameplay. Um, but trying to get that out to our team this year was important, but you know, the stats piece is what it is. Um, we're not going to be um, psychoanalytical about it, but we do keep track of them. I think it's because, you know, that big, you'll keep hearing all the analytics say this and analytics say that. And so I, I'm always looking at what things could I be looking at that would be useful. And I think you're, that's a great look at like, Hey, here's where we're being successful and not successful. And then the part of the field that it's occurring. So then it gives you an idea of like, like you said, I don't, if you're the right back or the left back, we can't, you know, we can't have a large percentage of our turnovers occurring there because it's right, you know, it's right it's transition right back to our goalie. Um, whereas you say, if it's maybe in the attacking third, well then, you know, maybe we take a more, more risk um, there. And you're able to at least show the guys like literally like, look, here's how many turnovers we had in these three spots. And these are the three spots that it can occur or it can occur or whatever. Absolutely. I think, I mean, and I don't know what I don't know <laughs> and, and try to, stay humble in that way. If we had more time and there was more resources and yeah. I didn't have a nine to five, then I would probably dive right into that. But <laughs> um, yeah, I know that it works for some people and it, it, it can be a, a super beneficial tool in, in kind of creating success. Yeah. Cause there's no, especially, well, just, yeah. Cause you're going from Tuesday game to Thursday, to Wednesday, you're worried more about let's recover Let's just make sure like so-and-so is not feeling well. <laughs> they can sit out. You know, you're dealing with what the next challenge is. It's hard sometimes to, to peel from what the previous game was to help you with the next. Absolutely. Um, so in terms of where Neil Kraft might be in five, six, seven years, are you thinking, is this high school your jam or are there aspirations for um, bigger things or, or maybe trying something different? Um, I'm going to, going to cop out of that and say, I'm going to try to be where my feet are. Um, you know, if if you would have told me in, in the first week of our 2018 season at, at Dayton Christian that I was going to leave, I would have never believed you, never believed you. Um, I was so invested in, in those boys and, and that team. And, and I was in a position in my career that, you know, allowed me to, to continue coaching in the afternoons and evenings. Um, and it was my alma mater, like mm-hmm. what, what else am I looking for? But um, when that season concluded, I, I went on my, my trip with my wife, uh, <laughs> we came back and um, you know, was contacted by Fairmont and I was like, what, you know, what's this about? And um, then again, sat on it for essentially a a month before I said, yeah, let's, you know, chat. And that again was time spent in prayer and um, trying to evaluate what was best for me and my family and what made sense and felt like um, after all, it was the right move to, to make at that time. So I think 
based on on that experience and in previous um, lessons that I've learned away from the soccer field, I think it's just kind of foolish for me to imagine where I'm going to be three years from now. Um, so I am a hundred percent where my feet are right now. And um, I'm thinking about, Oh, well, you know, this class is going to be a freshman, you know, freshman in 2023. And that gets me excited about what's happening at Fairmont. And that, you know, um, really exhilarates me. And I, I, I hope that it, it, that's trickled down to my players as well. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see where we go. It sounds like, and this is something I'm working on is, is, is patience. Like just, you know, things will kind of like even the, the opportunity to come to Fairmont in the first place just kind of came to fruition. Um, it just kind of was there an opportunity for you. Like, I think you're of the understanding that like, look, I'll just keep plugging away. I'm going to do the best I can where I'm at. We're going to try to make Fairmont as strong a program and, and we'll keep building what we have here and whatever happens, that'll be something that, like you said, it may take some time to think about, but until that point, I'm, I'm not going to start. I'm going to keep my focus where my focus needs to be. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. And I think like you win a lot of games, it's, it's really easy to let your strong ego become a big ego. And I, you know, that's a lesson that I've learned from um, Tim Kite in Columbus that um, we want players and we want coaches to have a strong ego but not a big ego. Uh, mm-hmm. That means you know, self-confidence through the roof, humility, um, thinking of yourself less, not thinking less of yourself. Um, but when we let wins and Instagram and stats kind of occupy our headspace, um, you, you lose your focus really easily, really quickly, and then you'll lose your shirt. So I think by just trying to be where your feet are. Um, for me as the head coach, I try to say, well, I am the steward of this program right now. And it's my job to leave it w- whenever that time is in a better place than where I found it. Um, because if I don't think of myself as a steward, then my ego can go from being strong to big really quick. The one thing too that I've heard throughout this conversation is um, that idea of like learning, like um, being a leader is not something that that just comes naturally for everybody. So I, I've heard you talk, to, you know, with the kite, with this podcast and the Focus Three stuff, and um, I, talking about like your book study that you're going to have, kind of in your pods, and just kind of reading things and teaching guys like, hey, here's what the expectation, like you were talking about, we're going to look at our nine through 12 right now and make sure they're doing the little things that we want our next group of freshmen coming in to see. Um, and I think it's cool. Like even saying like, I'd like to have my coaches go out and do read some books or if they need to go take a, a coaching course or whatever. I, I think it's awesome for the kids to see that, look, man, I'm not settling. And like you said, I'm humble enough to say, I still have, I have room to grow and improve. Um, so I'm always willing to learn. I think that's sweet. I, pr- I appreciate that. I am, you know, um, a, a functional soccer mind who is a soccer enthusiast. Um, 
and I know what I, I know what I do really well. And I don't want that to fall, you know, by the wayside. I, I do know what I do well. Um, but there's a ton of areas that I'm so grateful to have the assistance that I do and want to continue um, adding assistance mm -hmm. to where I see right now it might be a couple of weak spots. Um, and then I want those assistants to continue with that same hunger and drive to, to learn and, and get better because that's what we demand of our, of our players. And, um, you know, again, to reference our, our friends from the kite family, you know, I think leaders create a culture that drive behaviors from the constituents or the players or the employees that are eventually going to lead to success. And that's why, you know, throughout my two years at Fairmont specifically, we don't really talk about um, how many wins we're going to have as a goal. Um, I, I was on a podcast with uh, the superintendent back in February, very, very last <laughs> free moments before COVID struck. And he asked what the goals are. And I said, 100% academic eligibility, and then having a stronger commitment and a stronger connection amongst the players. And I think if you're connected and you're committed, then you're going to be dangerous. And those results will come. Um, but like you mentioned, trying to be patient, is it's simple, but it's not easy. Um, and, you know, we had two wins two years ago, and we had six wins this year. And I don't think that necessarily means we're just going to get 10 wins next year, but mm -hmm. we want to try to be consistent, connected and committed. And, and that will, that will lead us in the right direction. And do you think those, those keywords, the consistency and what have you, that, that was one of the, one of the helping, like the, the results were kind of an, an off, offset of, of what you guys were doing internally as a group. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, and, and I know and it's it helps also, that talent too. So having a talent like fresh walking <laughs> in, like, well, you know, and that your, your captain sound like he may have had a, a wake up moment of, Hey, I can make a difference and stuff like that. Yeah. I, obviously talent is pretty necessary, but um, you know, the other thing why I, I find it to be um, process goal oriented rather than results goal oriented is why would you want to limit what those goals can be? And, and, and maybe they present themselves in ways that you hadn't imagined and, and they're not better or worse, but they're just different. Um, seeing that captain in his junior year get knocked down and pull himself out of that hole and then elevate himself, you know, that, that gets me pretty jazzed up as a coach. Um, yeah. I think when we, in our first year, you know, we, we said, okay, well, we want to win four games. That was like one of the, the in the first team meetings we had, uh, well, the team won three games the year before that. And we're like, well, somebody said, let's just win one more. <laughs> and, and I'm not here to, to bash on that kid, but we didn't win four games. We won less, but the one we won was against the team that was currently ranked number one in the city at the time. We were one and nine. They were nine and one. 
and it's a moment in a one nil victory that we still talk about today and yes. the hair on the back of your neck stands up. So that wasn't a part of our goals, but I'll take that moment over three extra wins over, you know, whoever. Um, so again, like I, that can be a little bit vague, but um, I think process oriented goals sometimes aren't sexy and sometimes aren't something that comes to a, a high schooler's mind right away, but why limit, why limit what kind of success or, or goals you can achieve? That's interesting because it makes me think about uh, my assistant had a couple times during games where it was whatever, it was 2-0 and it was getting late in the second half, you know, 15 minutes left. And he was like, Hey, we just need to, we need to start moving, like going more offensive, like it's going to attack. Cause he was like, yep. at the end of the day, 2-0, 3-0, it doesn't matter. It's still a loss. Um, are we are we here to lose cute or die trying right yeah and I think I think that's what you're speaking to is like well we're we're going to give it everything we've got so if we have to move guys forward and, and attack and attack and it gives up a counter-attack goal and that is what it is um but he Amen. said he, yeah and it really resonated with me um and what just listen to you talk about it as to I'm not like we're not going to gain anything by walking off and it's two Oh versus four Oh it's still, we still lost. Um, and in the end, at the end of the, it, like, we're not worried about that. We want to fix what we can fix and, and give our, you know, our players an opportunity to, to maybe pull something back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, and it's also teaching a, a life lesson that's priceless and, and should be, you know, it should go without saying, but to never, ever give up. And, you know, we're not a college football team vying for a spot to please the college football playoff committee. And if we lose 49 to 20, that's looked at differently than if you lose, you know, 31 to 28, it's still a loss. And, and our boys will learn to never give up. Yeah, right on. I, man, the stuff you uh, have shared has been, has been awesome. Um, it sounds like I would have to say Fairmont has soccer programs in really good hands. Well, I, that's, that's very flattering. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate your time, Kieran. And I think it's uh, really cool what you're doing here and kind of really building a grassroots network of, of coaches. I know across the country, but especially here in Ohio, that it's, um, it's a pretty remarkable network of, of people and a lot more folks think the same way that we do than you would think um but yeah i i view you as a, a tremendous connector <laughs> and uh, um i was excited to see your beanie that you were going to feature here tonight i mean it's looking fresh That's Love it. i got i got a whole bunch for christmas my family hooked me up and good i'm happy so uh, uh, but yeah no I, I appreciate the time man this is this is really fun and and we can we can talk shop any day uh, Neil, so if there's anybody out there that wants to get a, you know, connect with you and maybe follow up or just to even just follow and see how the brotherhood of Fairmont, uh, soccer with team, I guess, 49 next year comes up. How, what's the best way of connecting with you? Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the Twitter handle for, for Fairmont is K F H S men's soccer. That's Kettering Fairmont High School men's soccer. Um, 
and that's probably the best way to follow us. We're also on Instagram at Fairmont Men's Soccer. Um, and, you know, we're not uh, obsessive with, with our content, but we try to get stuff out there to um, galvanize the next crop uh, of young players that, that are currently living in Kettering. We want Kettering players to play for Fairmont and um, get them excited about it at a really young age. Um, and, you know, I think the fruits of all of this labor is, is starting to pay off right now. And, and we've just got a, a tremendous group coming back. Um, I think 15 returning players, which is exciting. And, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily translate to more wins as we know, but, um, it is really cool to see the, the core and the, the glue of that brotherhood, you know, come back for, for another year. So, so um, just, we were just talking about the Kettering. Do, do they have multiple options as to high school options in the Kettering area? No, uh, just just Fairmont. Okay. There, there's a couple of private schools um, okay. in the area as well, but um, Fairmont's the only public school in, right in Kettering. Right on. Well, this has been awesome, Neil. I really appreciate it. Uh, this is Karen Coach's Corner Podcast, and I'm out. Peace.